and welcome to Football Scotland Daily, the podcast that brings you all the big news, analysis and debate Monday to Friday, just in time for your daily commute. I'm Johnny McFarlane and joining me today are the hoddit and daughter of Football Scotland. It's Jules, the Bells Hill Barry White, Boyle and Chris, Christopher Doyle. Hello. Alrighty. So what are we going to talk about today, guys? Well, first up, it is going to be a discussion on pre-season. Who are the winners and losers so far? It's early doors. The transfer window doesn't close until the 2nd of September, but we will be looking at last year's top six and assess their signings so far. We're going to look at Callum McGregor and whether or not he should leave Celtic. I've written a piece today that says if he doesn't play in his preferred centre midfield position at the base of the midfield, then Celtic should sell up. We're going to assess that in a bit more detail. And we're going to finally move on to the championship and the strikers who could win the league for either Dundee club next season. So straight into it then, lads. We're going to start with the sixth place team from last season. Chris, it's Hearts. Now, quite a quiet pre-season before. They've done a very, very good signing by all accounts with uh, the, the move to take Craig Halkett from Livingston. Uh, a dominant central defender who will no doubt add a lot to that team. But beyond that, we still don't have a Stephen Naismith confirmed signing and there's not really much else been happening to a team who desperately needs some some transition and some change. Well, I think that um, Halkett will be yeah, a really great signing, like you say, um, partnering up with um, John Sitter in defence. Um, that's a pretty good duo to have in there to build on. Um, yeah, just waiting for that confirmation for Naismith. I mean, I think it was like last um, last month almost. Um, he hasn't he 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 training. Yeah, he he's so, training with the club. We so just not had it. So, yeah, obviously when Hearts were a different, uh, completely different team uh, when he was in the firing all cel- cylinders at the start of the season compared to when he was out. So, I mean, if you get Naismith, that's a pretty good, pretty good base to go on. But yeah, there's not been too much action going on, but I mean, I don't know if they need to do that mu- that much. I and mean, they had so many. They, Levine brought in loads of players last summer, and a lot of them were out. Um, out for injury, they except from Celtic, they probably had pretty much in terms of injury crisis. They were hit pretty badly. So, I just think if they get some of those back, then they'll be. I think that's all they really need in terms of building on on next season. And I think they can finish probably higher than than sixth sixth position. Giles, you, you've been a fan of Stephen Naismith over the years. <laughs> How big a deal is it for Hearts to make sure they get him signed and sealed? He's the main man, isn't he? Oh, he's absolute priority. Absolute priority for the club. Um, you just need to look. You can literally see it by, by game and date when he was injured, um, what their, their fortunes were last season. They were flying, all guns blazing. He got injured and they were in the grubber. He comes back to the team. They're playing great again. He gets injured. They're absolutely garbage again. And you can just literally see... You can you can measure it. You can do a wee graph or a pie chart, a wee Stephen A. Smith pie chart, and you can totally see it. Um, and it's totally he's, he's, what you do in your spare time. <laughs> mate, nobody wants to know. About. I've, got, I've got more interests. It keeps me entertained. <laughs> so yeah, he's absolutely crucial to that team. Um, my only concern is obviously they're not a one man team, but I think you have to look at what they're like without him. Um, and obviously, if they get him back, it's a huge thing. And they were a great, they were a very, they were a good team last year with him. But then you have to think, well, it's still the same player. It's still the same player with those injuries. He's a year older. Um, what's to say it's not going to happen again this year? And that, that would be my main concern about that. I would think you would, you'd, you'd want to be covering that better than they had. Because well, without him, they were, they were in trouble. There is talk about Connor Washington, who's a Northern Ireland international, who I'm assuming um, Hearts are, are, are looking at uh, in some detail. Uh, Austin McPhee, obviously involved in the Northern Ireland setup. He's the assistant manager to Craig Levine. 
So you'd imagine that he would have had uh, a, a good look at that player in, in his time away with the international side. And that is someone uh, Hearts are looking at. I think he had 16 appearances for Sheffield United in their promotion season in the Championship. So a, a player with a little bit of a pedigree there, um, if he should come in. Right, we're going to move on to, uh, and, and across the city, to a club close to my heart. It's Hibernian. <laughs> so they've, they've had five signings. Tom James, Kristen Dioge, Dodge, 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 I don't know. He's he's been signed uh, from Forest Green Rovers for a significant transfer fee for Hibs for two hundred and fifty thousand. It's nice to see a Scottish club splashing out. Uh, Joe Newell um, and um, uh, of course Scott Allen has come in as well. Um, I think that of those players, I mean, it's fair to say that Scott Allen is the one we know best. Chris, uh, do you think he can bring the kind of form that he's shown previously when he's been at Easter Road? Because he was pretty darn impressive under Neil Lennon, wasn't he? Yeah, completely different player compared to when he played for Hibs for that spell compared to his Celtic career. Obviously, he's not had um, that much of an opportunity um, with the Hoops. But um, yeah, a big signing to get in the door. Um, and that midfield with losing sort of McGee and um, McGinn uh, last last year, they did bring Stephen Allen, but um, I think they they're lacking something there. And hopefully, bringing in Scott Allen, I think they can add that kind of creativity and spark. They can, yeah, I think um, a really good signing. I just think the Hibs, in terms of like the winners and losers, I think they're they're having a very good preseason so far. Yeah, they've they've got their uh, their business done early, haven't mm-hmm. they? And they've got players that. Um, have previously worked with Paul Heckenbottom in the past, or or or, or he's aware of clearly, um, as as well as a player like Scott Allen, who's a, clearly a product of the Hibs backroom team and and uh, uh, the, the the structure that they have in place there for recruitment. In terms of how they can do, Jules, um, you, we've seen that Hibs under Heckenbottom had a massive upturn, but in those last uh, five games uh, after the split. They had a pretty poor run of form. Do you think they can be, once again, the kind of threat that they were under Neil Lennon? Or do you see a, a, a season where it's going to be a little bit more difficult for them this year? I think it'll go either way. I, th- I think um, Heckenbottom's proven that he can kind of get a... I mean, he, he pulled, they, they weren't in a great place at the time and they sort of pulled him right up. So I, th- I think you can see he can do stuff. Um, bringing in Scott Allen, those other players, I won't lie, I don't know a huge amount about them. As you say, he does... Um, he, he seems to be a thing. I can see him um, definitely um, keeping them top six this season. Absolutely, um, it would depend on a few factors, obviously. But I, you, you don't. I think he seems to. He seems to have the players playing for him. He seems to know what he's doing, and it seems a bit of positivity about Easter Road again for the first time in quite some time. So yeah, I think I think he's. It'd be massive, of course, if if they could get St- Stefan Omionga back. I know that the Hibs are still interested. There's strong interest in Italy a really top class player and you can only imagine that him and Scott Allen together would be quite enticing but we're going to move on now to the team that came fourth place last year which was Aberdeen now they have made a number of signings including Sam Jackson not the not the Pulp Fiction star <laughs> um, not uh, Nick Fury unfortunately <laughs> Indeed, sadly not. Um, John Gallagher who's come from the MLS Greg Lee who's come from the Eredivisie uh, what do you think of the pronunciation there, Joe? It's, it's improving yeah, from yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Christian Dogeek. <laughs> um, Ryan Hedges, um, Curtis Main, um, Ash Taylor, uh, and of course Craig Bryson 
Chris, who's probably the most impressive of those signings. Many people wouldn't have thought that Aberdeen would have had the, the pool nowadays to get a player from the top end of the championship like Bryson. For me, though, I think Curtis Main, despite his paucity of goals towards the end of last season, uh, could be a really, really good signing for them and could challenge Sam Cosgrove. I think he's, when I've seen him play in the big games against Rangers and Celtic, I've always been impressed by his physicality. He's not slow. He's got an eye for goal. He seems to be like a big game, a big game player, uh, and I think he can have an impact for the Dons. What do you think? I'm not. I'm not too sure. Um, You're unconvinced. Yeah, <laughs> it's not a knock on Maine. I just don't really see him how he fits in with Sam Cosgrove. Obviously, he scored all the goals last season for Aberdeen, so he being your number one. Uh, name the team sheet up front well, I so I don't know how those, their kind of styles contrast because I know it's Cosgrove obviously uh, I mean he's he's not quite a target man but you would say that he's hardly you would maybe play both of them up together I don't isn't it though really that, that Derek McInnes has quite rightly lost faith with Stevie May and uh, I know there's been discussion about whether or not James Olsen comes back in but there just isn't enough goals in that Aberdeen team beyond Cosgrove so you bring in Maine, someone who you think can maybe add those goals when Cosgrove is injured or suspended, it gives you more options. Yeah, it's a sort of like squad squad player rotation or whatever. Um, yeah, I do see that. I just, um, I would say maybe the, the problem lies for Aberdeen is more getting more goals from midfield, especially losing Mackay Steven. Um, you know, he was kind of that player that could um, make a difference um, on the wings going forward. So... Yeah, Maine, I'm I'm not convinced by it just because he hasn't. It's not like he's had a prolific scoring record with Motherwell. Um, I would say that Aberdeen have probably, out of the top six, they've had the sort of worst pre-season so far just oh, because of... a lot of players. <laughs> I mean, they've got... Wait, yeah, I like that they brought in Bryson, I do, but losing Mackay, Stephen and Shinny, just two really big names for them. And I think that Aberdeen have done so well, get like such held such a sort of high consistency. Um for maybe the past five, six seasons, finishing second um, behind Celtic, and then obviously uh, fourth last year, we're tied with Kelly, um, close again. And I just think they're they're kind of going for that kind of rebuilding process. They're just going to have a season where it's going to have to take a step back a bit before they sort of take a step forward. Um, that's just the way I can see it. Jules, we're overrunning for time already, so I'm just going to go straight to Kelly. They've obviously switched manager. They've lost Stevie Clark, arguably the best manager in Scotland. Um, now they've got uh, Angelo Alessio, who's come in. Incredible CV in terms of the clubs that he's worked with and, and the people that he's worked with over the years. And uh, you have to imagine that uh, his links with those kind of elite football clubs, and Inter being the most prominent one, given his close friend and former colleague Antonio Conte as the manager there, would surely be a place where he will want to go and pluck some talented youngsters. And the first name to be linked has already been suggested, uh, which is that of Argentinian striker Facundo Colidio. Oh, well, he sounds brilliant, obviously. I mean, he's, he, he, <laughs> co he cost them nine mil... Well, th these varied reports. Um, actually, Gazeta were reporting nine million. Uh, 9.5 million euros but um, I think the papers uh, the Sun were reporting this today were reporting it was 8 million pounds regardless it's a lot of money for a 17 year old who hadn't played a single first team game for Boca Juniors and he was whisked away by uh, Inter Milan on the basis of some tremendous performances in youth tournaments and if Kilmarnock could get a guy with that kind of pedigree geez oh that would be that would be some move for them wouldn't it Chris? Yeah just um 
Sorry, wouldn't it, Jules? <laughs> uh, yeah, that would be an absolute coup. Um, uh, or a coup, as someone called it. <laughs> yeah, I've heard that a few times. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> not, not naming any names. Um, yeah, God, that's an absolute storm. Obviously, uh, you would hope that the um, Alessio's contacts and, and reputation would get that, because that sort of player, with that, like, at that age, even the amount of money they spent on him, you would expect them to want him to go to some quality team, a big team, a big league, to get that experience. Find out to call Manuk. Would you say not a million years, but the fact that Alessio is there um, and he's who he is, that it could very well be a thing, which would just be, you know, a great thing. That, that would just light up that the, the league having a wee guy like that. G- and it come on up, do you know what I mean? Gaby Mackay cracked a smile yesterday <laughs> when he saw that story. It's not, it's not, it's not the only thing I cracked, tell you. <laughs> <laughs> Let's not go any further into that. Okay, so we've done uh, Hearts, Aberdeen, Hibs, Kelly. There's not a lot more to discuss with Kelly. Obviously, we've, we've not heard much more, but we assume that those links are going to be a key component to their preseason. But there's still a long way to go. Moving on to Rangers, they've brought in seven players. I mean, uh, well, it's six, but Joe Aribo has yet to be uh, announced officially. He's probably been announced while we're on this podcast. But we think seven players have already come in at Rangers. They've done their business early. Chris, do you get a sense that Rangers are a club with momentum? Yeah, just going in the right direction, like last year, bringing in these uh, early early signatures. I mean, I think that's really important with the with the Europa League campaign coming up, and they did well, obviously, getting to the group stages last year, so I think that was sort of bringing in that stability early on. Um, yeah, I just see Rangers going, going in the right direction again. They're improving each year, maybe not enough to challenge Celtic, but, I mean, all you can ask is that Jether takes them in the right direction, and especially the signing of, um, of Aribo. Um, Jed are just very high on him just in terms of um, obviously a lot of clubs were going after him just that player that they've been lacking in the midfield gives them some, that something a bit different Jules you're in tune with what the Celtic fans are thinking do you sense that there is concern worry um, apprehension around the way Celt- Rangers have been building so far not massively um, obviously they're buying a lot of players they're definitely moving in the right direction I think it's foolish to kind of just dismiss it and say oh everything will be fine blah blah that's just that's just that talking both sides you know what I mean of either one um, you know they've brought in a lot of, as we say seven players that are able though it's decent um, a lot is kind of fairly untried as such I mean Young Hasty's only you know had half a season sort of thing looks like a good player um, they brought in a lot of players last season as well. It's doing the right thing. There seems to be a lot of positivity about the team. Um, they, they definitely are going the right direction. Whether it's going to be enough to to, to make any massive difference this season remains to be seen. But you can kind of say that usually at this time of year, unless people are bringing in absolute surefire winners with big names, sort of thing. It's, it's that moment. I don't think anyone's at really at panic stations or anything like that yet, regardless of what anyone might think. Um, although the saying that, you know, Celtic aren't really going too quickly in the whole signing department themselves but as, we, as we've said it's September do you know what I mean what, but what we can agree so far is Rangers have had a far better pre-season to date than Celtic have well they've had one do you know what I mean alone do you know what I mean they, they, they've started and they've got six seven players um, Celtic are struggling for whatever reasons to get over the line with their first one um, now there might be there seems to be very good reasons for that that's a different thing I don't think anyone's wanting Celtic to just rush in and just start grabbing players because other teams are. The fact that nobody is causing a bit of consternation, but you would much rather them take their time and get the right players in and not buy duds. But saying that, there is a Champions League qualifier in about two weeks. Um, not admittedly not against a huge again, team, but, but it's a banana split skin all over. Do you know yes. I mean? That could go badly wrong. 
Um, you've got to take that respect, and, and, and uh, you know, not, there's no guarantee Celtic to go win that with the team. Sarajevo got. is not an easy place no. to go at any at any time. No, Chris, Celtic have for the last eight years been by far the most well organised, uh, well run club in Scottish football. Is there a concern that that is starting to ebb away? That they have fallen behind. Rangers have put in place a very good structure that's cost them a lot of money. They've got a director of football in there. Celtic don't have a director of football. Is the club losing pace on that front and starting to look like a bit of an anachronism in 2019 in terms of the structure of the footballing department? Slightly. Um, especially with that sort of the leak of that transfer dossier as well. I mean, that just kind of kind of hints that there is kind of grumblings under the scene um, I just um, does it though I mean, I mean don't, don't all clubs have dossier, don't, don't they all take notes of a, of a transfer meeting it just so happens that Celtic have been unlucky in this regard that someone has, has leaked that could it have not happened to Motherwell or Rangers in the same way it could have but it didn't it happened to Celtic and it happened last season with the the team sheets as well and I just um, I don't know there is there is a little bit of concern that especially you're right they've not got a director of football they've not made uh, any signings so far um, yeah I would say like obviously you don't want to sort of concern yourself with what Rangers are doing the other side um, obviously bringing in a lot of players and I understand what Jules is saying about wanting to get the right ones but seems like especially with that Champions League tie I, I, every Celtic fan would have hoped they would have got a few names in especially Turnbull this went on for so long now and I mean, who even knows? It's anyone's guess, really, now if it actually will end up going through. And, like, who do they have as a replacement if they don't? Because was it a Rebo? And maybe, because it's a similar mm. type of player, and Rangers got him. So, um, I don't know. I it's suppose a lot of these uh, questions will be quelled somewhat should uh, Christopher or Julien walk through the door an £8 million Rolls Royce of a signing. But until then, um, you have to say Celtic have, have, have been lacklustre so far. Now. Yeah, I, yeah. Carry on. I'm just. I think it's too early to kind of say anything conclusive about Celtic because basically you're. you're of course, but but we're here to give hot takes. And <laughs> hot oh, takes. I'm not asking you to be good. I'm just asking you to give me hot. They were on a bus a few weeks ago. This is hot. Just wait and see. It might be a disaster. You never know. It's Celtic. They've won all these trophies in a row. Nothing's really happened yet apart from an old dossier has been leaked and they're, they're generally a bit of banter years happening. Um, I, th- I think, you know... Nothing to see here, says Jules Wright. <laughs> okay. Um, we move Why on not? to uh, a piece that I've written today. Really, um, the gist of it is that Callum McGregor is uh, Scotland's most talented player. His best position is at the base of the midfield um, in a, what I would describe as a register role, the Pirlo role, the, the deep-lying playmaker. He played there for about three months and Celtic had their best form of the whole of last season. He got the best out of um, Ryan Christie, a player with energy who makes dynamic runs. Cal McGregor has the quality to pick that out. That was why he was so successful. Um, I think there are concerns about Cal McGregor um, playing his more normal role under Brendan Rodgers, which was further forward because it was a quite a flexible role. It was part of uh, Brendan Rodgers' quite flexible tactical plan. I think Lennon's more regimented. He wants a more up-and-atom approach. It's more direct. It's still very entertaining. It's not trying to cast aspersions on Neil Lennon, but it's just a different style, and I'm not sure I can see where Callum McGregor fits into that. I think Celtic should be building their entire team around him in this base of midfield position. And I think in this, and I've said in this piece, if Celtic don't do that, they should sell him because there isn't a place for him in the team in that other role. Guys, what do you think? 
I'll go first. Um, well, yeah, you're you're totally right in saying that like he was basically Celtic's best player last last season. I know for this one all the accolades, but I can agree with you that um, McGregor was the player that made them tick. Um, you only had to see what um, was it the the loss to Rangers in a new year when he played left back it was just such a strange strange decision by Rodgers but you only seen how bad Celtic were when he was out of position um, and he actually was probably still their best player that game in the second half so yeah like he makes everything just tick and he pulls the strings of that base of the midfield so but you're right if he plays if uh, Lennon plays him more in that more advanced role then he's just going to get in the way of Rogic and Christie so yeah he need, but he, he will need to sort of uh, make sort of tweaks and changes uh, under Lennon compared to obviously Rogers. Jules, what are your thoughts? You're looking at me lovingly. <laughs> yeah, just, oh, You're just that. thinking of Callum McGregor. I am, yeah. Just, oh, no, I'm just thinking of you, mate. Just at you. <laughs> <laughs> Understandable. <laughs> I'm only human. I'm only human. Um, yeah, I agree to a point. Um, there's no denying he, he definitely played his best football at that point when Brown was out. Yeah. Um, and Celtic just looked sensational at that point. And then there was that thing with Brown coming back in. Not to denigrate him in any way, but you're thinking, hmm, you know, this. Well, it's a diff- different type of player, isn't he? Very so, much, so yeah, I mean, it's yeah. not to denigrate. Brown, Brown's a terrific defensive midfield screener, mm. but um, he doesn't really pick out a, a quick pass from that position. Yeah. Callum McGregor can do that. He can find a Ryan Christie in space on deep into like the that. into the field, yeah. penetrating. Uh-huh. Uh, whereas Brown's more of a metronomic presence. He's keeping the ball moving. Yeah. And he's yeah. very, very good at that. Yeah, yeah, very much so. It was a different style of play, but it was kind of exciting. It was it, it was invigorating to see. It was, you know, you were kind of, bad. had people on its feet yeah. um, with passes. Do you know what I mean? It was just kind of, it would get the ball and off it was all way. And all of a sudden, somebody was in space, usually Christie, and it was off. So it was exciting to look at, but you do have Scott Brown. He's the captain, and it is that issue of, who plays where? Who, where do you take it? And, and there was the thing, and the house had to make a decision. They moved back where he was. They still played what they did. They still get results. He still played very well. He played very well all season. It was very rare you saw Callum get have a bad game. It was just different levels of good game and great game that he was playing mostly. Um, and I think that's the issue. And I think you're right to a point, but you're looking at Scott Brown, and he's in his last two years of his career. Is he going to be playing all of this season? Is he going to be playing all of this next season? Are they going to mix things about during the season? Yeah, well, the thing was that um, Rogers' mind was almost made up for him because Celtic had so many injuries. So mm. if Brown was out, like the the choice was made up for him, you yeah, know, to yeah. uh, to play um, play in Cham or uh-huh. and uh, McGregor. Christie was out. Then then you could have played Kuwati you know, though, couldn't he? I mean, yeah. Well, come on, <laughs> <laughs> come on, let's not go there. Um, so then the, Malumbu, I mean, Malumbu was in there. One of the best defensive midfielders in the league. I don't think it was quite I, as obvious as people. I think, think it was. Like, I think it was. To I mean, you know, the three best centre mids are. Um, or the like the the five best central players would be Rogic, uh, Christie, McGregor, and Jam and Brown. So actually, like the five of them were never never fit at the same time last uh-huh. season. So uh-huh. if if Celtic don't sit, there's obviously ch- a chat of um in Cham going then then in, in McGregor. Um, Lennon will have decisions to make in terms of like, if he has all five of those at his disposal going into next season. It's good to have that depth, but I mean it's hard. They're they're not all going to fit into the team. Last question on this, Jules. Do you think it's fair to say that? Callum McGregor's maybe not Neil Lennon's type of player. Lennon hasn't said anything to suggest that. I mean, I'm sure Neil Lennon really likes him as a player, but it's whether or not he fits into the Lennon style. I mean, am I wrong on that? Um, I I know know where you're coming from. I know where you're coming from. I think... I mean, I clearly don't think I'm wrong, but, but, you know. Aye. I think McGregor is um, um, versatile enough 
to play under Lennon, I think they could find a way to work it. I don't think Lennon, I, th- I think if you ask Lennon, would you rather have McGregor in your team, yes or no, he would say yes. Um, do you know what I mean? And I don't, I don't think there's any, any doubt in that. I think he'd be insane not to. Um, I think McGregor would still want to be in the team. I think they would find a way around it. Um, I don't think anybody wants to lose him. And I, I, I do think Lennon will find a way to use him because he's too good a player not to. Okay, okay. Right, well, we're going to move on now to the Championship and two players who could decide that league next season. First up is 39-year-old Kenny Miller, who is signed for Partick Thistle. Um, he is going to be, obviously, a key component for that team. Uh, now, the other thing is he's weakened, potentially weakened, Partick Thistle's rivals in that league in Dundee, so he's left Dundee to sign for Thistle. Um on the other side of uh, Tannadice Street, Dundee United have uh, opened talks, according to their director of football, Tony Asgar, with Lawrence Shankland, who scored 34 goals last season for Ayr. Could this um, departure from Dundee and a right potential arrival at Dundee United be what makes the difference in this championship season, Jules? Uh, very much so. Um, I'm quite a fan of Shankland. I think he's a good player. Um, I think he proved himself last year. I think the, possibly maybe the, the, all the hype got to it a little bit. There was a lot of talk about him. Um, the second half of the season completely tailed off. I know yeah. he had injuries, but that out- first half was incredible. Outrageous. It was absolutely stunning. Um, and then then he got injured, eh, and then they just totally tailed, tailed off. Um, literally, um, the, the same day, as I said, they're definitely not a one-man team. Uh, and he got injured and he went <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so that was just that we've all done it we've all done it we've all done it so yeah I think that's a magic a magic signing for them I think that can make a huge huge difference and as you say um, their, their rivals have been uh, hobbled really but the loss of the loss of Miller as well. So I think I think that could be a major turning point over there. Chris, do you agree that they've been hobbled? I mean, they seem quite happy to have, have got Kenny Miller out the building, but that for me is a surprise. He scored eight goals in the Premier League at the very top level last year and a really struggling Dundee side. And he, he's, he's a guy even as in, in as in, even in I'll try and spit that out, <laughs> even in his advanced years, still looks very fit and very sharp. Well yeah, um obviously Fissel fans were absolutely pretty raging really that they got rid of Dylan um, just because he they thought he provided guaranteed goals and also kind of his um, the service to the club but I think they'll be slightly appeased bringing in Miller because yeah I would say he's he is a little bit older but he's a better player isn't he a level above yeah he's a level above so I I can see um, I think they'll be that's overall it's a good sign for them because yeah part of us will badly badly struggled um, hitting the back of the net last season and they had a good sort of they had a disastrous start to the season. Obviously, they put them in the relegation fight. But, um, yeah, their second half of the season was pretty promising and obviously got them out of that. Um, I see they could... I, I don't really see them pushing for promote, promotion. Um, I see them finishing in the top six. But at the end of the day, you know, with the championship, like, really, actually, there's so many teams in it. It's very wide open, like it is most years. So, you never know. Maybe a sign like Miller could actually just propel them to into maybe the playoff spots or whatever. But it's, it looks like a good signing, yeah. Jules, is, what, is that your prediction for the championship this season that Dundee United are going to be the team to be even if they don't get Shankland? Because obviously they are in negotiations, but these things can go awry. Uh, there's been a lot of big teams linked with him. I think Swansea City was the one that many of us expected that he would depart to. Yeah, definitely. I think um, I, I think that you can you can slowly feel them, I and that's what this is the fourth year in the championship is it something like that. So I mean, it's been a long time for them, but I think you can kind of smell them coming back. 
Um, I think if you can smell them coming back, you're trying to get us in trouble with Dundee United fans. (laughs) (laughs) It's more more a metaphor, Johnny. It's a metaphor. Um, I I think they'll be coming back. I think Shankland will be a a huge signing for them. Even without them, though, I think they'd probably be favourites to come back up. Um, I do think, though, as Chris said, uh, if uh, Miller. Uh, we're going to call him Young Miller here, <laughs> if Miller uh, goes to Thistle, uh, that could be a huge difference for them. They, 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 they really need some goals. It was uh, really bad for them last season. They were, they were struggled to get to get those, those that sort of action up front. And I think he'd be the guy to do it. He's still incredibly fit. I mean, what age is he? He's 30, 39. 39. 39. And he's still like insanely fit. He really is. And obviously he's not he really He shames us, was. Jules. He really does. Yeah. I, I was, you know, God <laughs> almighty, I wasn't as, as fit as him when I was 19, I don't think. So I th- I th- and he's obviously not the level he was. But the part at this level, I think he'll definitely do a job for him. That's a, that's a, if they, if they get, that's a great signal for them. Okay, well, time will tell. That's all from us. Uh, You can keep up with all the happenings of the day on footballscotland.co.uk. You can follow us on Twitter at football underscore Scott. You can follow us on Facebook at our page there. And of course, if you want to get this podcast as soon as it becomes available, subscribe via iTunes or Acast and you will get it the minute it comes out. Until tomorrow, thanks for listening.